This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Russell Westbrook is off to Houston. It's going to be scary. Not for us. No! James Harden just caught a body here in Los Angeles. And Westbrook is on the freeway. What's up, guys? Welcome to Juice Podcast. My name is Salman Ali, at Salman Ali NBA on Twitter. Uh, we are going to do a joint podcast between the Red Nation News Podcast and the Uncontested Thunder podcast, that is the Thunder podcast of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Uh, and for the purposes of this episode, I'm basically going to be a guest on their show, but we are going to collectively preview Rockets Thunder, the series. Uh, so you're going to hear me in much lower doses than you're used to, but for the purposes of this episode, we are going to thoroughly preview Rockets Thunder in the first round. So I hope you guys enjoy the show. Hey guys, so we have a special edition crossover, Blue Wire crossover episode for you today to preview the Oklahoma City Thunder versus Houston Rockets playoff series. You've got Jacob, Nick, and Kamiar from the Uncontested Podcast crossing over with Solomon Ali from Red Nation Hoop. Solomon, how are you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Happy to be here. Yeah, we are super excited. Nick, Kamiar, how are li- how not how our life, how is life? Life is good, man. We're at Right now, we're recording on Sunday. We've got Thunder playoff basketball in less than 48 hours. Yeah. Person, woman, man, camera, TV. <laughs> Beautiful. Love it. Um, well, guys, there is a ton to break down about this series. Uh, interestingly enough, after the final seeding games on Friday, turns out the Rockets are solidified at the four seed, the Thunder at the five seed, due to a three-way tie for four between the Rockets, the Thunder, and the Jazz. Not that four and five really matter because we're in the bubble, uh, but it would be interesting if you know COVID hadn't happened and we had this three-way tie that ends up with the Rockets with home court advantage. But I think ever since last July, this has, well, maybe not since last July because nobody thought the Thunder would make the playoffs, but since the Thunder started playing well this season, this was always a very, very interesting proposition that the Thunder and the Rockets would meet up together. Obviously, uh, there's a little bit of, of you know, competition between those teams with the Harden trade and the playoff series in the past. Now this summer you have the Russ-Chris Paul trade, and it just seems super poetic that these two teams were destined to meet each other in the playoffs. Yeah, and it's also been, like, speaking of, like, poetic things, like, both Russ and CP3 both have been very, very good in their different situations on different teams, which is also like a whole other wrinkle that's super fascinating as well. 
I'm a little disappointed, though, because we don't actually get to see Chris Paul return to Houston, nor do we get to see Russell Westbrook return to Oklahoma City, because I would like to see how both fan bases react to those players in a playoff setting. Yeah, this feels like the one playoff series, maybe besides Clippers-Lakers, that you most want in the home arenas with fans. Like the the just the storylines are incredible. So Solomon, I guess give give our Thunder listeners here a little bit of perspective on how do Rockets fans like today, as of August sixteenth, feel about Chris Paul? Are they just like whatever? He was here for a couple years. We're fine that he's gone. Is there still some love and admiration? Is there some dislike? Uh, what's kind of the Rockets fans feeling on Chris Paul? Like after he's off the team, I think when you talk about the trade. It's pretty polarizing. You get a lot of people that were in favor of it, and you get a lot of people who, to this day, do not like it. And when you talk about this series, like you, there's just a lot of angst with this series. There's just a lot of dread. There's a lot of self-loathing going on on Rockets Twitter. I wrote about it for my newsletter this morning. Um, I, the Rockets did not want to face the Thunder in the first round. And it, that, it has to do for a, a couple of reasons. Number one, obviously, if you're talking about the four through eight range, the Thunder have a pretty strong case of being the best team from that group. And also uh, the storylines, like if the if the Rockets lose this series, there is a strong possibility, probably it's going to happen. Like the Rockets will get dunked on as a franchise for the next 48 to God knows how long hours after the series because I mean, this is the guy they traded away. They traded away Chris Paul, and that's the team that knocks you out in round one. That's uh, It's going to be uh, a bloodbath on Twitter, on TV, wherever the hell you want to listen to NBA analysis. So there's a lot of angst going on. There's a lot of nervousness I, I, that I sense from Rockets fans. I wonder, that was... if, I wonder if all the Russell Westbrook tweets that were deleted by Houston fans would soon resurface. That, that's, that's something that I have thought about a lot over the last week or so like looking at all of the different first round matchups that have finally come to fruition and all the different you know rivalries we're going to see with like TJ Warren and Jimmy Butler and then you know everything else going on like one the Houston Rockets but two Russell Westbrook like maybe the most on the line in this first round series as far as you know what the the outlook of you as a player and you as a team uh, would be if you were to lose this series. Like I just think there's so much weight and so much you know to play for for Houston that like it's it's almost like Oklahoma City's the opposite. They're playing with house money. They weren't supposed to be here. I wonder how that plays into like the the pressure these guys are playing under. Yeah, and you know, Solomon, you mentioned that. You know, if if the Rockets lose this series, they're going to get dunked on. They were supposed to win. They made the trade to go all in and try to win a championship. You also have the pick scenario in there as well, where if they lose, it's not only were they supposed to win because they traded for Russ, but they also gave up the picks in the trade, which I think adds a little bit of heightened, uh, maybe a little bit of anxiety there as far as Rockets fans are concerned. I don't know. But it, it's interesting. I, I find it fascinating that the Rockets franchise, as, as far as fans are concerned, are kind of split on getting rid of Chris Paul. Thunder fans are still obviously very, very much in love with Russell Westbrook. And I'm fascinated to see how long this series has to go before Thunder fans start saying negative things about Russ. Because I don't think it'll be long. Obviously, it won't be game one. We know Russell Westbrook is out for game one. But how quickly fans will shift on their feelings on a player whenever you meet them in a playoff series, because playoff series become hostile. 
They become, you know, they, they bring out the ugliness in everybody. Well, a lot of this depends on when Russ comes back, right? Because we, st- we still don't have an answer for that. Russ is out right now with the quad injury. No definitive timetable. Could be just the first game. Could be the whole series for all we know. Uh, the Rockets are being really coy about it. Uh, the, it's interesting. The Rockets are like one of like two teams who are really tight-lipped about injuries. And, and the other team I would classify as the Thunder. Like the Both of these organizations just do not talk about injuries and timetables. Like That's just not in their repertoire. And... Um, it's interesting that these two teams are playing each other in the first round now, but yeah, I mean, I have, we have no idea when he comes back. So when he does come back, yeah, I I am interested to see what fans, what Thunder fans have to say about Westbrook. Um, God knows when that will be though. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think Thunder fans will be like, Oh, I'm so happy. You know, Russ is playing well, blah, blah, blah. But after Russ like hits a turnaround jumper and rocks the baby on Dennis Schroeder, uh, and then puts his hand down, uh, talking about too small whenever he scores over Steven Adams. Um, I think some Thunder fans' opinions will start to shift a little bit, and so it's going to be interesting to watch. But before we dive too much deeper into breaking down this series, guys, one thing that the Young Contested has done the past two years uh, leading into the playoffs, maybe it's bad luck, I don't know, because the Thunder have lost in the first round the past two years, but whenever we do these previews, We've always got to start off on a good note with our guests. And so in order to do that, we're going to gas each other up, talk about the things we like about the other team in our gassed up segment. All right, call me R. Say something nice about the Houston Rockets. I really like that the Rockets have essentially created the original OKC team uh, without, of course, Kevin Durant, and they play a fun brand of basketball. I mean, like they have, they've got Russ, Harden, they had Cephalosha, um, Jeff Green, Jeff Green, the early day boys. So that's fun, and their pace of play is really fun to watch, even though they slowed down a little bit during this season because people were getting hurt, and also their brand of basketball is exhausting. Uh, but it's high-paced, so it's really nice to look at and watch, except the free throws. I'll say I like about Houston that they just took the effort mentality and went all-in on the small ball, right? Why subscribe to, like, NBA societal norms and, and have a big out there and run traditional basketball? Like, you have your niche, you go for it, man. I I, I really appreciate that, even though maybe I don't think it creates like the best matchups for them. I still appreciate the fact that they were willing to go balls deep and just try it. Yeah, my my one thing about the Houston Rockets, I would say that I like is just that they've, and kind of along the same lines as, as Jacob here, they've fully embraced the modern NBA. You know, we've seen Golden State and Steph Curry just you know win titles by being elite three-point shooters and just doing that all game long and Houston like you said went fully small ball they're going for that style of play and just throwing five you know guard slash wings out there and just just sending it so it takes it takes a lot of of balls for lack of better term by their front office but you got to respect it Salman what do you got to say about the Oklahoma City Thunder bud so I actually have no problem saying anything nice about the Thunder. I don't have animosity with with their fans. I am so impressed by how quickly Shea Gilgis Alexander is coming along. This is a guy who averaged 10 points a game last year and is now playing alongside both Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder. And he's averaging, let me see, 19 points per game on 56% true shooting. That's insane. Like I think people always expect development for rookies to be linear. 
And I always caution people about that, especially with guards. But Shea's actually doing that. He's making the jump in year two. I think that's super impressive. Yeah, we've uh, we've really had a good time watching him grow. I'll also say another nice thing about Houston, because I'm really going to try to butter you up before we get into the nitty-grittiness of this. I like Eric Gordon. He just seems like a good dude. I'm glad that he got to Houston. He started performing well when he didn't play well in New Orleans. Uh, and he, I think he's a good player. I think he's an underrated guy in the league, and I really enjoy Eric Gordon. I'm not a fan of Austin Rivers, but I like Eric Gordon. I also just love the fact that Houston is running P.J. Tucker at the five when a lot of Thunder fans about six years ago wanted the Thunder to go get P.J. Tucker from Phoenix and play him at the two. It's just that, that nothing describes the NBA transition over the past 10 years better than that, I think. It's insane. Yeah, it's just absolutely, absolutely wild. All right, well, guys, let's break down this series. I want to start with the X factors. What do you think are the three X factors for each team heading into this series? Solomon, we'll start with you. X factor number one, what has to fall in place? Biggest reason for the Houston Rockets to win this series? Uh, Pace. Uh, The Rockets are second in the NBA in pace, and the Thunder are 21st. Because the Rockets are a smaller team that wants to get deflections, they're going to want to play in transition as much as they can. Uh, The Thunder with with Chris Paul and Steve Adams are going to want to play at a slower, more deliberate pace, and we saw that with Chris Paul in Houston. He likes playing at a methodical pace. He likes plotting around, picking on certain matchups. It will be harder for Houston to play at that same frantic pace without Westbrook, but they have to try because that's really what their personnel is best suited for. Nice. Nick, what do you think is an X factor for Oklahoma City? So this one sounds obvious, but the the stats are actually quite interesting. I'm going to say rebounding. Uh, obviously, Houston relies a lot on guards to rebound, considering a lot of their team is guards. And with Russell Westbrook being out, that's going to be an advantage for Oklahoma City. He's one of the better rebounding guards over the past decade. Surprisingly, um, to this point in the season, uh, the Houston Rockets actually average more rebounds per game. I know that they haven't played this exact style of play all year, um, but kind of aggregating the numbers for the entire season, the Houston Rockets are 18th in the NBA in rebounding at 44.3 a game. Oklahoma City is all the way down at 23rd at 42.9. So I think rebounding is going to be a huge factor in this series. Nice. Solomon, what's the second X factor for Houston? Crunch time lineups. So if I were to guess right now, I'd put the over-under of blowout games for the series at one. Like, I suspect every game will be close. And this Thunder, the Thunder have been spectacular in crunch time, particularly with their three-guard lineup. Like, you guys have all seen the stats. I mean, that's an insane lineup. They throw yeah, out best three-man lineup in the NBA. Yeah, like, I wrote about this in my preview, but I think Houston might be tempted to play Harden, Gordon, House, Cummington, and Tucker. So, essentially, their starting lineup in crunch time. If they can play Steven Adams off the floor, that's not a, it's not a bad lineup to go with. However, if the Thunder choose to keep Adams on the floor, the Rockets just need more consistent perimeter defenders out there because that means they'll lose P.J. Tucker because he's going to he's gonna have his hands full with Steven Adams. And we already know from Mike D'Antoni that Eric Gordon will take on Chris Paul. Covington will almost certainly guard Gallinari because he's just too big for anyone else to defend. That leaves Harden and House out there defending Shea and Schroeder. And I'm just not sure if Houston wants that. House has had his moments defensively. But if you're banking on both Harden and House to be locked in at the same time, I'm just not sure how it's going to work out. Uh, and we know you can't bench Harden in crunch time. That's beyond stupid. So if you're, if I were Houston, I would strongly look at swapping out 
house for Rivers for defensive purposes. What, what do you guys think? Do you think Steven Adams closes games in crunch time for the Thunder? Nope. Oh, wow. See, I, I it's it's so fascinating. Uh, Nick, I'll let you go. Why do you think they, they won't? Just because, like, if, if you're going to close out a game with the Houston Rockets, so, like, it's, assuming it's a close game, like, we know how these teams play. We know Houston's going to shoot a lot of threes, try to stretch you out, get hard into the line. I just think that if you're if, if you're in that situation with Houston, last couple minutes of the game in a close game, it's probably a shootout. Just considering if you're that close to Houston, either you know you're they've scored a lot of points and so have you, or or it's going to turn into that kind of game towards towards the end. So I just I just don't see a world in which cons- another thing they don't go to Stephen Adams for offense. So like down the stretch, like he's not a, a real threat to, to score points and, and close the game. I just don't see him in this series in particular. I do not see him playing a ton of crunch time minutes. See, I it's so fascinating to me. Like I think he definitely could. And I think the big trade-off here on how they decide if he will play is, is P.J. Tucker hitting that corner three. I think it it simply comes down to that. Is Adams struggling to get out to guard that corner three on driving kicks? And if PJ is knocking them down, then the Thunder might have to go small and match Houston, which takes one of the Thunder's best five players off the court. But if PJ Tucker isn't hitting that corner three, and on the opposite end of the floor, Steven Adams just sets bone-crushing screens that allows that three-guard lineup to really thrive. And if he can eat on the offensive glass, I think that makes up for maybe some of those perimeter defensive deficiencies and so it's a really interesting game of like push and pull here as far as I don't know if Steven will close every game but I think the Thunder are definitely going to try and you know what there's also the possibility like as I'm saying this like there's also the possibility that Harden decides to guard Adams and Tucker guards Gallinari and then you can get away with with Gordon House and Covington on the perimeter defending those three guards that might be something that Houston looks like looks at but it it all really depends on what OKC decides like will they decide to close games with Steven Adams or not because that that to me is a pretty big thing I'm watching for in the closing minutes of games and and to your point like if Harden were to guard Steven Adams like Obviously, Harden's not a horrible, um, like low post defender when he's guarding guards, but Stephen Adams is clearly a mismatch. But just knowing how Oklahoma City plays, even if James Harden is guarding Stephen Adams one on one in the post, do we really think that Oklahoma City is gonna is gonna get it into him multiple possessions in a row and look to score on the rim? I don't think I, so. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think the advantage there goes to Stephen Adams is so strong and so good positionally that he'll try to make that that mismatch um, come to fruition as far as hitting the offensive glass. Yeah, you know, I agree. And, and I agree. That, I, I think I think Houston wants uh, Stephen. I think Houston wants the Thunder to go Stephen Adams, but I think the Thunder are too smart to do that. I could it, see lineups where OKC puts like Dre at the four and Nerlens at the five in crunch time situations just to be switchy on defense and make Dre the role man on offense. So that way, you know, you can't hide on him in the corner. So I'd be like, cause I want to say yes, Steven Adams because of how he gets the defense into their formations and how he organizes it. And he's like the leader of that defense. But at the same time, I mean, if Harden's going, if, if they're going ISO and everybody's in the corners, like Steven Adams serves no purpose on the court. And so for Nerlens to be there or for a guy like, Gallinari to maybe play the five uh, that might make a little more sense and having Dre and Dort if he's healthy in there 
There's just so many interesting wrinkles to it. So, Kamiar, give us a second X factor for Oklahoma City to to have have to win this series. Well, OKC is going to have to limit turnovers um, because Houston, uh, like Solomon said, Houston's a really high uh, pace of play team. And if OKC is limiting possessions and having successful possessions on pick and rolls because they do have a size advantage, I think three of their players are at the same size or bigger than Houston's center and P.J. Tucker. So I think pace of play, uh, just making sure OKC does gets their conversion successfully and or runs their offense and isn't giving just easy buckets upon easy buckets to the Rockets that can run up and down the floor, as we can see with Austin Rivers and Russ Harden and uh, Jeff Green and whoever else they have that isn't actually a big man. So pace of play is a really definite thing. Yeah, that's going to be really fascinating. The Thunder have had a little bit of turnover issues while down in the bubble, uh, especially Chris Paul. So it's going to be interesting to watch how they they clean that up. Salman, X-Factor number three for the Houston Rockets. The minutes without James Harden on the floor. Um, these have the potential to be really brutal for Houston, especially without Westbrook now. Uh, they're almost certainly not going to be in the green in those minutes. But if Austin Rivers and Eric Gordon can step up as playmakers in those minutes, it's possible they can minimize the time they spend in the red. Uh, I think that should be their goal. They're not going to be in the green. Like They're going to lose those minutes. The, the, the Thunder are going to destroy them in those minutes. Uh, if they can keep that to a, like a negative two per 100 possessions, like that's not bad. I think, that, I think that's going to be key for Houston. That sounds oddly familiar to an OKC Houston playoff series not that long ago. Yeah, definitely. God, I can't remember what the on-off numbers were for Russell Westbrook in that Andre series. Andre Robertson was hands-on the second-best player in the series for OKC. That's all you need to know. By far, yeah. that Those on-off numbers were insane. So, yeah, I think that's, uh, that's definitely a, a massive thing. Uh, Nick, hit us with the last X factor for Oklahoma City. Yeah, I'm going to say uh, this is kind of a two-part thing. Um, getting to the line on offense and limiting free throw attempts on defense. We all know James Harden loves getting to the line. In fact, Houston is the um, second highest team in the league in uh, free throw rate per game. Oklahoma City is actually not far behind at, at fifth in the league in free throw attempts per game. So I think just considering it's two teams that heavily rely on getting to the line, getting those points, um, you know, those easy points from the line with the clock stopped, if there's one team that can A, get to the line more often, and B, limit the other team from getting there, that could be a huge swing in the in the final score. Definitely. I think the Thunder have to be disciplined defensively and not foul James Harden, which is so much easier said on a podcast than done in real life. But I also think the Thunder have some players who have proven themselves a little bit as far as nobody stops James Harden, but proven themselves as adequate Harden defenders. Um, Lou Dort has done it once. Obviously, that's a very small sample size. Andre Robertson uh, has always guard, guarded Harden well, uh, but Andre is also coming off you know a, a two-year basketball hi- hiatus from injury. And then I'm interested to see who else gets the Harden assignment, and can they do it without fouling? Chris Paul seems like a prime candidate there. Um, I feel like Chris could, could guard Harden without fouling. But then you're looking at guys like Terrence Ferguson and Hamadou Diallo, and I think they will just foul the shit out of James Harden, like all the time. I think James will, will be licking his chops to attack those matchups and bait those guys into fouls. So, well, well, guys, we've gone through some X factors. One that we kind of started to dive into, and I want to get a little bit deeper in, 
is the two different styles of play. Solomon, you brought up the Thunder, you know, playing Steven Adams in crunch time and, and will they or not. Obviously, the style of play of these two teams is drastically different. And I think it's going to be a battle of cultures there as far as, you know, can, can the Thunder impose their will with size or does Houston impose their will with speed and spacing? Uh, what are some of the, the keys there to, for each side to, to really make their presence felt and, and make the other team adjust? For the Rockets, they're going to have to get as many deflections and turnovers as they possibly can. Like That's the only way they're going to win the possession battle. Uh, And for the Thunder, they have to try their best and and win that offensive glass battle. Like, Steven Adams has to be Steven Adams of 2016, 2017. Like, he has to be all over the offensive glass and uh, make Houston pay for going small. I think if Houston can win the possession battle... Uh, they're in a they're in a good spot, but if OKC makes that difficult for them, you know, you know, it evens the series up a little bit. So let me ask you this, Solomon: If let's say Game One, the Thunder come in and beat Houston because Stephen Adams has eight offensive rebounds and the team as a as a whole has sixteen offensive rebounds and like twenty five second chance points and just very clearly beat up Houston on the offensive glass. Is there any chance we see Houston adjust their lineup to try to get a little bit bigger to guard Steven Adams? Tyson Chandler? Yeah, the, that's the only tall player on their team right now. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I guess maybe Jeff Green. Like, I, I, I can't. I'm looking at their roster right now. I don't see anybody else they prefer playing in that starting lineup. Uh, it's, it's gonna be like this. This is what Houston's made their bed with. Like, they're they're gonna play this way. And they're going to be pretty uh, steadfast in not changing because they can't change. Like they've made the trades at the deadline to kind of make force their hand to only play one way. And I think if if they lose that game, uh, the the only other adjustment they can do is play better at their style. That's it. Try to limit those offensive rebounds, gang rebound instead of having one guy box out Stephen Adams. Fascinating. So you don't see any sort of. I mean, not even starting lineup. Just. If if you had to make a bet right now, you say Tyson Chandler gets zero minutes this series? He gets zero minutes in the playoffs. R- yeah. Regardless of what happens? Right, yeah. Wow, okay. that's. I mean, that's kind of what I figured, but it's still fascinating that they're just... Houston's just bought into what they do, and they're not going to shift. Nick, flip side of that coin, if Oklahoma City gets torched as far as just the, the spacing and the isolation that Houston plays, and Steven Adams clearly is just getting cooked... Do you see a change in the lineup where maybe they only play Steven like 10 minutes a game and they don't go with a traditional center? Like Kamiar mentioned, you get some Gallinari at the five, some Dre at the five, some Darius Baisley at the five minutes. Yeah, I, I, I could see that. I think before they completely revert to small ball, they would try some more Nerlens minutes. I think... Obviously, he's not a great perimeter defender by any means, but I think I trust him a lot more guarding someone on the perimeter than Steven Adams. He's obviously a uh, a shot disruptor around the rim. Like, let's not forget, Houston's known for shooting threes, but they've also got James Harden and Russell Westbrook who love to attack the rim. So I could totally see um, Oklahoma City doing some things differently. I don't know if they would revert straight to a Darius Baisley or a Dre or a Gallo at the five, but I, I could certainly see, you know, game three or four of them, not necessarily starting Nerlens, but, you know, giving him maybe an equal or a 40-60 split of those center minutes to Steve. Call me, are any thoughts on this? 
Not particularly. <laughs> I mean, just it's just there are so many options because OKC has they have a lot of bodies that are <laughs> they have like they're very thin on the front line. I mean, like anytime Steve Nerlens or Muscala are out, like it's 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 bad news. But they do have a good amount of bodies, honestly, that are like six foot five and in between six foot eight. So they have like several guys that they can throw at many rocket, like the entire basically the entire Rockets team. And so you think about, well, man, how like, Dre's Dre looks okay. How okay is he? Well, you're about to find out because you have Russ there, which everybody's going to give Russ a cushion that they've learned by just by viewing him the last few years because in Houston, definitely he's cut down his stupid jacking the threes because he has Harden for that now. Um, so I'm just really curious as to see what kind of lineups they're going to throw out there because Billy Donovan is not Scott Brooks. He will not have loyalty to a T and try to figure it out that way as he did with Kendrick Perkins in the finals a while back when Harden was still in OKC. Um Billy Donovan tinkers with lineups to the point that it makes people crazy. That's what we saw the first couple of years in OKC, and now he has a pretty set roster, well, for at least one season, that he likes to tinker and likes to experiment. So especially in the first two games, if it's not working well for OKC's defense, I would expect Oklahoma City, you to see the several lineups that you saw, it maybe in the bubble with Tommy coming off the bench first or Dre coming off the bench first, Nader getting run. There's There's a lot of options. Yeah, I think it's just some of the lineups that that the Thunder are going to have to try to counteract Houston with is going to be fascinating. So, all right, guys. Well, before we continue breaking down this series, we want to take a quick minute and tell you about one of the sponsors of this joint podcast. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore. Because of this, everyone can benefit from TheraOne CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Worsland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary TheraGun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. He created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim to be organic, but still contain up to 30% filler, and a lot of these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they ever get to you, and every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the US, and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, the body balm for targeted relief, and the sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. Right now through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering all of our listeners a buy one, get one free for all of their TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely going to do again. So make sure you get your buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire. But it only lasts until Labor Day, so go right now. Again, that's theragun.com slash bluewire. All 
All right, guys, so we talked about some of these uh, role players that may come in. So, Solomon, I need to know, one underrated Rockets player who has the possibility to come in and swing a game for this series. Who Who is one maybe under the radar, obviously, like, not a James Harden or a P.J. Tucker, but, but somebody a little farther down the totem pole that has a chance to really make some noise in this series and help push Houston over the top? Under the radar, um... Well, is it okay if it's not under the radar? Because I have one player here down. Sure, sure, go for it. Uh, it's the guy. It's the guy we mentioned earlier, Eric Gordon. If Eric Gordon plays like Eric, the Eric Gordon of old, the Rockets should win this series full stop. Like he's not shot the ball well from three point range this season, but the Rockets really need him to get it together, especially with that Westbrook. Like Gordon can not only swing a game for Houston, he can swing the whole series. He's that important to what Houston wants to do in the series because they're not going to play like the, the Houston Rockets of old without Russell Westbrook. They don't have a pick and roll big man to rely on. They're going to have a space floor. They're going to have what they're going to have James Harden with the ball in his hand. Like. 75% of the time he's going to be swinging to shooters left and right and Gordon has to hit those shots like he has not hit those shots and uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he's able to do that in this series because he has not shown much uh, here in the bubble nice Nick who is an underrated Thunder player that could come in and possibly swing a game in this series to help the Thunder win yeah he's not he's not super underrated right now with recency bias because he just came off a career high 27 points in that last regular season game. Uh, but even before that, I thought Hamadou Diallo is a guy that could actually make a difference in a playoff series, which I probably wouldn't have said before coming into the bubble. Um, his defense in some of these games has been absolutely insane. And I also think if Lou Dort were to miss a game or two on the front end here, Diallo is a guy that I can definitely trust to to guard some guys and kind of slot into that 2-3 position where Dort might play a lot of his minutes. Um, I, I'm not saying he's going to be a guy that's going to score 27 points maybe ever again in his career. I don't think he's going to be a guy that makes a huge impact offensively at all. But his defense, his energy, and, and the spark he brings off the bench, I think could actually make quite a bit of difference. And, and his teammates, Coach Donovan, you know, you've heard a lot of rave about the defense that he's had, and they, they've all said, you know, when healthy, Hami can help this team, and I think we've actually seen that quite a bit in the bubble. Calmier, do you agree with that, or do you have a different guy? I mean, I thought about Diallo. Um, I thought more along the lines of, I mean, I could I could say one of two guys right now. Uh, one, it depends on the health of Lou Dort. I mean, He's of course day to day. When you when you sprain your knee, I mean it's something that's uncomfortable and that could last up to a couple of weeks. So I wonder how long he'll be out. I wonder if he'll miss the first couple of games. I wonder if he'll try to give it a go. Um, I don't know what that looks like, but either Lou Dort or Andre Robertson. Um, let's go with Lou Dort just because of consistency. As far as like if he is available, um, Lou. He's different than several of the Oklahoma City two guards since really, I mean, honestly, Cephalosha and Harden in the fact that, yes, he plays defense and he's kind of like a Marcus Smart defender guy as far as he's, you know, not necessarily massive as far as like tall, but he's very thick. Um, But also he likes to take the ball and put it on the floor and OKC guards like even Tavo Cephalosha wouldn't do that. He would just pump fake. Um, so and just having a, a two guard that can look in the corner, get the ball and either just shoot it and not be hesitant 
and just put it on the deck, that says a lot about just who he is as a player and how confident he is in his stuff. So Lou Dort, I mean, if he can, if this dude, if this dude even averages like eight points a game, um, I think it'll be really good news for OKC as far as what he's giving you on the defensive end. So just hitting those corner threes um, and making the right play, which he's done a lot of the time. I think one underrated guy that could help the Thunder out, um, another young guy, and Darius Baisley. I think he's defensively he's improved, uh, and his three point shot looks to be for real. And if he can come in as a six seven six eight guy who can really flex out and guard some of these these forwards that Houston has, I think he could definitely play a role in this series. Now, with any rookie, you know, you worry about the consistency. He may come in and and look incredible game one, and then just crap the bed in game two. But I think there's a chance that Darius Baisley could play a pretty significant role uh, off the bench in this series to come in and guard some of these bigger uh, three-point shooters that Houston is going to space the floor with. So uh, I think that's going to be definitely interesting to watch as well. We talked about it a little bit at the beginning of the podcast, but which team has more at stake here? Who? Who is sweating this playoff series more? Is it Houston or is it Oklahoma City? Yeah, I agree with Solomon. I mean, they're oh, like and again. Chris Paul said this like a million times. OKC wasn't even supposed to be here. And you take what Houston did, like you said earlier, is they, they went all in. They made a Russell Westbrook trade and stuff like that. And so like Solomon said, if Houston even if – if this is even a seven-game series – I think Houston will still get clowned on because they were supposed to be here and OKC wasn't even supposed to be in the playoffs. Solomon, if Houston loses this series, you talked about, you know, they'll get clowned like nationally. Is there any thought or feeling, and, and maybe you don't have like a, like any inside information on this, but is there any thought or feeling that there might be some some organizational changes if they go out in the first round? I mean, we're talking about a, a, a team that has their head coach on the final year of his contract, right? I mean, that's that's the big that's the big domino here. Uh, if they lose in the first round, I, I've written about Mike D'Antoni and how I think people are kind of underestimating the idea that he may get a contract this summer. But if he if the Rockets lose the series, I mean, that becomes more in doubt, right? And we're not really sure uh, where that coaching situation stands right now. But uh, that's definitely one domino to watch for sure. I don't think, if as far as the front office goes, uh, I think this idea that Daryl Morey is, has his job on the line, like I think that idea is completely overblown. Maybe I'm wrong. I think he's pretty secure there. Uh, he just signed an extension last year. I think he's fine. Uh, D'Antoni is definitely uh, someone to watch if they don't win this series. You know, I hadn't thought about that. Both these teams have coaches that don't have extensions in their last year of their deal in this series because Billy Donovan, his contract expires after these playoffs are done. Uh, They haven't agreed upon an an extension yet, and Presti has said they will wait till after the season to do that. But that's an interesting little wrinkle that I hadn't considered yet is that both of these coaches are kind of at the end end of their contract. Nick flip side of the coin for Oklahoma City. They lose this one. Is there anything at stake for them? Um, I think the only thing that was at stake was that draft pick, and they've already lost that. So, um, no, I don't think so. I think they're a, um, a clear underdog in this series. I think that they're already playing with house money, like I said. They were given a 0.2% chance to make the playoffs in the first place. They've got a ton of trade chips. They've got a ton of first-round picks. I mean, I, I think this is a team that 
for like considering it a successful season for Oklahoma City, like getting the five seed, like they've they've already achieved that. Hold on, guys. Wait, wait, wait. So where is this idea coming from that nobody thought they would make the playoffs? Because like I, I'm hearing about this now. Like I, I think, I think a lot of people had them as an eight seed going into the season. Um, I, ESPN you, you could, had a graphic at the beginning of the season that they're. Um, Oh, I forget what what kind of it's like computer their, model they yeah, use. Power is Index this, or something. Yeah, their Power Index Kevin gave Pelton. Oklahoma City a 0.2% chance to reach the postseason. Is this like Kevin Pelton's BPI projections? It might be. Yeah. But but even like regardless of that, like you like their their projected win total in Vegas was 31 and a half. You looked at a lot of you know, power rankings and like national media had them at, you know, maybe a successful season would be sliding into that eight seed at the end of the season, you know, if they don't blow it up at the trade deadline. Like we're we're a year removed from a lot of those takes, so it's hard to remember like what was being said and, and this team has been so good for so long now that I think people forget just how bad they were projected to be. But yeah, I mean thirty one and a half wins in Vegas is horrendous. Yeah. I mean I can only remember my own personal take. I thought Chris Paul was due for a bounce back year for the for the Thunder. Like I, I thought a lot of people were kind of just underestimating this idea that this guy still has a lot left in the tank. And well, you, he, you you forget that that most people also thought he would never play a game in a Thunder jersey. Yeah, right. Yeah, and you know, if if the if the Thunder going into the going into the off season this year with a strong performance, God knows what they do with Chris Paul this summer. But I mean. This idea that that Chris Paul was just done, like he was just on the last legs of his career, I just didn't believe that. I thought he had another good two to three years left, and I thought last year people underestimate. Like that guy went into the Rocket season on like recovering from a hamstring injury, a very serious hamstring injury that prevented the Rockets from uh, reaching their uh, their potential. And I think when you talk about the Chris Paul this season, I mean he. Well, I I always thought he was clearly due for a bounce back year, but maybe maybe I live in a closet, man. Like I I, I just always had a, a good deal of faith that Chris Paul would carry this team to the forty five ish win territory. I'm I'm a bit surprised. I mean, if you look at their win total right now, their win percentage, they have the win percentage of a fifty win team. So that is definitely overperforming what I had them. For, yeah, uh, they're, yeah, third they're, third best win percentage since Thanksgiving, I believe. And their their win, the win percentage this year is actually higher than it was with the Paul George and Russell Westbrook team of last year. Yeah, so sure. they they definitely I think in some people's minds overachieved, but like Nick said, I think there was a belief that Chris Paul wasn't going to be on this team for long. And if the Thunder managed to win this series and that elevates Chris Paul's trade value even more, um, I have a hard time seeing Chris Paul being on this team at the start of the 2020-2021 season. I think the next season, I don't want to get too deep into like not talking about this series, but I think next season is just the perfect season for a team in the Western Conference to bottom out and tank because almost every team in the Western Conference next season has playoff aspirations. Even the Timberwolves, the, the Phoenix Suns, um, some of these teams that just haven't been any good, the Kings... Uh, all have their eyes set on the postseason next year, which makes it a lot easier for the Thunder to just bottom out if they get rid of some of their vets. So, you think it's possible for Sam Presti to get even more first round picks? Like, is that even possible? Like, is there like a is there something in the CBA that prevents him from stacking? <laughs> Once up you on get these fifty, picks? you're capped out. You can't have any more. Right. I mean, uh, like, and you look at the roster. I mean, they can get value from Gallon for Gallinari. They can get value for Chris Paul. They can get value for from pretty much every good role player on this team. And I'm just thinking, man, like. 
So they get all these first-round draft picks. I mean, how quickly does that rebuild go? Because you're talking about a, a stash pile of first-round picks that you would presume that any team looking to trade a, a superstar would want, right? Like, you would presume they would be the first call for any team trying to get off of a superstar or trying to get good value for the, for their disgruntled superstar. Like, I don't think you're looking at a long rebuild here if you're the Thunder. If you, if you can get good value for these guys in the offseason, you're talking maybe one year off. And then you're, you're you're right back into it, I think, because you're going to be in every major trade discussion. It's, yeah, it's, and we, we've talked a lot on the uncontested, at least I have, and, and I think Kamiar and Nick would agree with me. I think there's a, a much higher likelihood that the Thunder trade some of these draft picks that they have for better draft picks than they do to go get like a Bradley Beal. Uh, and I think that's solely because the Thunder have been known as a small market team to like to build through the draft and have control of those players, you know, for their first four years, plus that restricted free agency. Whereas if you go get a Brad Beal, you know, you're, you, you're guaranteed two to three years and that's really it. Or uh, nothing. And I, yeah. And I see Presti looking to acquire more picks for some of these vets and then package those picks to move up and get multiple like top five selections where he's going to have control of this team like he did back in the 2010s, the early 2010s with Russ, KD, and and uh, Harden where he can build and, and have longevity and have a plan set in place. That's interesting. So you're thinking they trade like two picks in the teens to get up into like a top 10 pick. I think that's way more likely than trading three picks to go three picks and a player to go get a, a pissed off Carl Anthony Towns. I, I think there's a lot more likelihood of that. Kamir, what's your pulse on the Thunder fan base? I mean, it's it's pretty interesting because I think a lot of our Thunder fans feel the same way maybe I do and several of us do is that the reason why we were really excited for this NBA restart and to actually just not, you know, put away 2020 uh, basketball like several other teams and several other sports are folding up is that Oklahoma City fans get to see this thing through the end. And I don't think any OKC fan is under the illusion that, oh, man, if they get hot, they can win the NBA finals. No, because they just don't have the star power to do it. And they don't have the they don't have the uh, oh just the veteran leadership that Oklahoma City does other than Chris Paul. I mean, you want to have dudes like Russell Westbrook, James Harden, and several others that have seen massive, you know, games. And Oklahoma City, sans Chris Paul, hasn't really done that. Um, So I think Oklahoma City fans are expecting to lose, honestly, in like six, seven games. But they're really happy to where they are. But, heck, being at the four and five, I think a lot of people will say, well, if they lose, okay, whatever. They weren't supposed to be here, uh, just like Chris Paul's been saying. But if they win, of course, they're going to rub it in Houston fans' faces. So I don't, I don't, I really don't think it's like oh, anybody's scared. I think just like Houston fans, like Solomon said, I think Oklahoma City fans were not looking forward to a Houston matchup. And it probably has to do with like all the narratives with Russell Westbrook and the, the style of play Houston has. And it would be some sort of poetic justice and really interesting if the Houston franchise were to take a certain direction next year after Oklahoma City got Steven Adams for a draft pick that uh, they traded James Harden for. And, you know, Steven Adams could have a potentially big series depending upon what happens. Uh, so there's a lot of storylines going on, but I don't think Oklahoma City fans are anxious. I think they're not very happy, just like Houston fans are with the matchup because of everything else involved. But either way, I think Oklahoma City fans are cool. Yeah, and what you said at the top of the show about the deep-rooted rivalry between these two fan bases, like that is going to be a bloodbath on Twitter. I can't wait for this series to get going because these two fan bases do not 
like each other. Yeah. Uh, and and that, that extends back all the way back to the James Harden trade. We're talking the first playoff series they played against each other. We're talking uh, the the Russ-Harden MVP battle. Uh, th- they went on to play another playoff series against each other that same season. And now in present day, uh, these guys, you know, they're pretty much in the same situation. They have the same exact record. Uh, and it's interesting, like, the directions that these two teams took to get to where they are right now. And now these two fan bases are just going to go at it. Like it's, it's, it's going to be really fun for I people do who, wonder, don't, who don't care about the outcome of the series. I do wonder how much of the hate is placed upon Russell Westbrook's own, like, you know, his own personality because of the hate toward Patrick Beverly, which is not in Houston and Russell Westbrook's now at the Rockets. I mean, I can see Chris Paul, you know, everywhere but Scott's because that's what Chris Paul does and that's why I mean like, I'm not blind to it um, but I mean I, I really don't see a lot of hate come from OKC's part because I mean a lot of the teammates that Russell played with they I mean they're still cool with Russ but also they also really respect Chris Paul but I don't I don't see Chris Paul really getting into a fight Russell Westbrook's the one that would fight fans on the daily so I wonder how that kind of personality has filtered throughout their teams it's going to be fascinating. I can't wait. Well, guys, let's get on to some predictions. But first, we got another sponsor to tell you about. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite device. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. You'll never miss your favorite team and your favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Just use promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use that promo code BLUEWIRE. All right, guys, before we make our predictions for Thunder Rockets, we got to go around the league really quick. So we're going to throw on some background music and hit the other seven first-round series. I want predictions from each of you. Solomon, I'm coming to you first. Bucks versus Orlando. Who wins? How many games? And give us a quick reason why. Uh, Bucks in four. Uh, in my opinion, the Bucks are the second best team in the NBA, and the fact that the Magic are in the playoffs this year over teams like the Suns and Grizzlies is the single greatest reason for reseeding the playoffs one to sixteen. Like this is a team that's seven games under five hundred. It's an embarrassment to the NBA. Yeah, I think the Suns should be in. They played really well. Nick Raptors versus Nets. This one goes five to the Raptors. I think that it could easily be a sweep, but the Nets, who played fairly well in the bubble, went 5-3. and three. They've got some shooters. they got Karis LeVert, who can get hot. They will probably get one um, down the stretch here, but it'll be a gentleman sweep at 5. Speaking of Phoenix, uh, Karis LeVert missing that jumper at the buzzer caused Phoenix a possible spot in the playoffs. So, Comiar, uh <laughs> I can't wait to hear what you say about this one with your thoughts on Philly. Boston versus the 76ers. Boston in six. I mean, I think the Sixers are honestly a little bit better that Ben Simmons is gone. Uh, But uh, 
Yeah, no, I'm going to go with Boston in six because they no longer have that massive uh, presence of Ben Simmons, who would be playing the point guard. Now they're playing more of a traditional style with Al Horford actually out there now with Joel Embiid, who we don't know if he's going to be able to stay healthy. And meanwhile, I mean, with the Celtics, you have just so many guys that can handle the ball and play really fast-paced uh, basketball. You guys like Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Kimball Walker, Jason Tatum. Um, you have several guys, and like Gordon Hayward. You just have a lot of dudes that you can play. They're not so strong in the front court, and that's where the Sixers can possibly get them. I just think the Celtics have too much firepower and star power that the Sixers do not, other than a broken-off Joel Embiid. Nice. Solomon, back to you. Indiana versus Miami. The T.J. Warren versus Jimmy Butler battle. Yeah, this is going to be a really fun under-the-radar matchup. Like Some people are going to pick against the Pacers because of the Sabonis injury, but I actually like their offense a lot without them. I think it's a, it looks a lot more modern. Miles Turner will have to step up, but I think he's more than capable of. You know what? Like I really want to pick Indiana, but I'm going to be boring and pick the Heat in seven. I don't feel good about it. I'm, tr- I'm just trusting Jimmy here. That guy's a beast. Uh, he's probably going to be the best player on the court for both teams. Apologies to TJ Warren, who's played fantastic in the bubble. I'm going to go Heat in seven. This has the potential to be possibly the best first-round series, though. Yeah, I'll, nice. I'll interject there real quick, and I'm going to say I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go Indy in this one. Um, I think I think Victor Oladipo is is the huge X factor here. If he can be healthy and be MVP Oladipo, or not truly MVP, but MVP caliber Oladipo like he was before his injury, I think that Indiana might actually have the upper hand here. All right, Nick. Well, we're coming to you again. Blazers versus Lakers. I am totally with the fact that the Blazers are hot right now. I think they played excellent in the bubble. However, I am not going to be the guy that sits here and say this this series is going to go six or seven. Um, I, I still think the Lakers take care of business in five. I think there's going to be one game in which Dame gets hot and, and gets the Blazers a win. But this should still be a, 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 a series that the, the Lakers take care of easily. The Blazers are still a team that are under 500 on the season. Let's not buy into the hype. Let's see this series end in five and be done with it. Yeah, Blazers don't play much defense. Call me our Clippers Mavericks. You know, I was hoping I would get to talk about this one, honestly, uh, because I've been thinking about this matchup for like the past few days. I think this has the potential to be a really, really fun uh, matchup as far as like a 7-2 uh, or 6-7-2, right? Yeah. Yes, it's a 7-2. Because uh, yeah. I forgot that the Mavs uh, slipped down. But no, I, had, I think this has the potential to be a really drawn-out, unlucky series for the Clippers, uh, depending upon how things go their way. I mean, I know they have a lot of depth uh, for the Clippers. I know their bench is the best one in the league. I think they average like 50-something points, which is incredible from the bench with Sweet Lou Will and Montrez Harrell with the Lemon L. Pepper Lou Will. Yeah, yeah God. Uh, but no, I... I I really, really like what the Mavs do. I mean, the Mav- it's pretty simple. The Mavs don't care about playing defense, but they will score at will, and they have Luka Legend, who is incredible. That it's only He's only 20 and seven years away from his prime. It's, it's just incredible what he's going to be like <laughs> in like seven to eight years. That's pretty incredible. But um, no, I'm going to go Clippers in mate. I want to say seven, but more likely Clippers in six. I think the Mavs might even steal game one from them. So, because like there's no home court advantage, so it's just a matter of put on put on your shoes, uh, lace up your shoes, and go. And the Mavs offense seemingly does not leave them, but I'm just really curious what how Kawhi 
and PG are going to affect this game, knowing Luka is a bigger body and knowing that, of course, Kawhi and PG are the, one of the best, some of the best wing defenders in the game. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I will take the last one, Nuggets versus Jazz, which includes a slew of missing players. Nuggets are not going to have Will Barton and Gary Harris, at least for the first couple of games, I believe. Uh, for Utah, uh, we obviously don't have Boyan Bogdanovich. Mike Conley left the bubble Sunday morning to go see the birth of his son, and Ed Davis is not playing. We have a battle of two polar opposite bigs, one maybe being the best passing big man the league has ever seen, the other being a great defender. So this one is fascinating. I think the Jazz wanted this matchup because, um, as Solomon knows, the Jazz want no part of the Houston Rockets, who have just given them the smoke the past two years. Neither of these two teams do. Both of these two teams have dodged the Rockets in the playoffs, <laughs> which is really funny. Like they're now playing each other, and it, it, it would just be really. It, it'd be kind of like like the basketball gods like enforcing poetic justice on the Nuggets if the Jazz actually wind up winning the series because it, it, it'd be like. Basically, having the team that dodged the Rockets this year pay back the team that dodged the Rockets last year. And That'd be pretty funny. Yeah, it, it, it would basically force me to pick whoever plays the Jazz next year to beat them, right? Like it, <laughs> it, it, it would basically mean that the basketball gods are on like a delayed schedule of some sort. So we're, yeah. we're giving back justice the year after. I will never forget when the Utah Jazz attempted to guard James Harden by standing behind him so he couldn't shoot step-back jumpers. Uh, that yeah, is Ricky so Rubio, much galaxy yeah. brain bullshit that I've ever seen in my life. Uh, so I'm taking Nuggets in, God, I want to say five, but I'm going to give the Jazz the benefit of the doubt. Say Mitchell gets hot. I'll go Nuggets in six, uh, but I think six is pushing it. I just don't, Donovan I, Mitchell in their bubble seed game was insane. When yeah, I, I mean, like the, two over... Yeah, that, that game against the two in, in the bubble game was fantastic. So I'm hoping we get something like that again. Um, all right, well, let's get on to the Thunder versus Rockets prediction. But before we do, one last word from Kamiar from our sponsors. So sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action, even though the Marlins are having issues, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro sports Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on it, what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling The Pandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sporting news. Remember to use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right, Nick, Thunder Rockets. Tips off Tuesday, 5 p.m. Central Time. Guys, the fact that we have a 2.30 p.m. tip-off on Game 2, pardon me, is just straight bullshit because this is one of the best like playoff series in the first round, and it deserves to be in the primetime slot. I don't want to have to cash in sick leave to watch this game, but I'm going to do it anyways. I'm just upset we have a 2.30 p.m. tip Central Time. But Nick... This series is about to go down. We've talked about the possibility of it for forever. What's going to happen? What do you see as being the biggest thing that both teams need to have happen to win? And then what is your game prediction and who wins? So this one is 
as much analysis that we've done on this series and as much we've talked about, to me it comes down to one thing. Are the Houston Rockets going to be hot from three or are they going to be cold? Because it is a live or die by the three league. Um, if, if Houston is hot, I don't think there's anything Oklahoma City can do to win that game. So to me, like giving my prediction, I think it goes seven just because in a, in a seven-game series, the Rockets will probably get cold one or two games and maybe Oklahoma City uh, has a game where they're hot and they can get a win. But overall, um, to me, the entire series relies on how the Rockets shoot from deep. If they shoot, you know, 35, 40% every night and they're hitting 15, 23s, it's going to be a quick one. But if they go cold two, three, maybe even four games, it really opens things up. So seven games, who do you have winning? I have the Houston Rockets. All right. Call me our thoughts and predictions. I mean, I think a lot of the I think how the series is going to go is how the pace of play ends up going, and I think a big part of this is OKC uh, their half court sets because heck, Chris Paul doesn't even carry the ball over till this like the, the last second, sixteen seconds left on the shot clock, so they're effectively wasting a third of the shot clock just walking it up to the up to the other half of the court. So OKC getting into their sets, but. Again, if OKC is able to, and they've done this in several playoff series throughout the years that made them really successful, if OKC is able to limit their live ball turnovers um, in any capacity, I think they have a really, really good shot at winning. Now, at the same time, you know, Russell Westbrook, we don't know what his absence, the length of time is going to be. Uh, So they're going to lean on James Harden quite a bit with Austin Rivers there as well. And they are going to need Eric Gordon. The Rockets will need Eric Gordon to actually come in and play with an oomph. And he hasn't really done that this year, um, of course. uh, But the last couple years, like he's been off and on. Like he was really good one year and then the next year not so much. Um, So it's it's just really interesting to me how it's going to play out. And honestly... I think this is a good series. Um, I think it's really, really competitive. I think that game six, it'll go to six games, and I think even in game six, the other team um, is going to have a chance to extend the series to seven. But I'm going to go Houston in six, and it will be there will be one blowout, but it'll be pretty close the rest of the way. Nice. All right. Well, Solomon, I'm going to save you for the end. I'll go next. And I think that for the Thunder's perspective, in order to have a shot to win this series, they have to limit their fouls. I think the Thunder have been a great defensive team all year. They have a lot of really good individual defenders, but an even better team concept, and they play as a unit rather than five individuals. I think that makes them fascinating to guard guys like James Harden. You can throw Lou Dort and Andre Robertson specifically at him. But if you foul too much and you get in foul trouble and you let Houston live at the free throw line, it's just going to be so hard for the Thunder to win this series or win a game where they send Houston to the free throw line a lot. So defending without fouling, you can live with, and I think the Thunder will, you can live with guys like uh, Daniel House uh, pulling up mildly contested threes or Eric Gordon um, pulling up mildly contested threes or P.J. Tucker in the corner. But you can't live with James Harden getting to the line 15, 16 times a night. Uh, and getting your best defenders in foul trouble. So I think if the Thunder are able to defend well without fouling, they have a puncher's chance in this series. I actually like Oklahoma City in this series, and so since everyone else is probably taking Houston, I'm going to go OKC in six. Uh, Solman, thoughts and predictions? 
So this will be a really tough series for both teams. It definitely has the look and feel of a traditional 4-5 matchup without Westbrook, uh, whereas it, it probably didn't before. However, like I think the Rockets should still be slight favorites here because they have a top-five player surrounded by shooters and the Thunder don't. And, and in most cases, that's enough to get past the first round. Uh, I have the Rockets in six, but this series gives me vibes of Rockets Blazers from 2014. I think it could be that crazy. Uh, every game to me is going to go down to crunch time. I think uh, the crunch time lineups that we mentioned earlier is going to be really interesting, and I think it's going to be fun. I can't wait. I really can't. Like, I and I, I want to see the back and forth between Rockets fans and Thunder fans on Twitter. Like, that's going to be fun too. It's going to be a blast, guys. I can't wait again. Tuesday, 5 p.m. tip off for Game One. Uh, and then thir- quick turnaround Thursday, less than 48 hours. Thursday at 2.30 p.m., Game 2. And then we get Game 3 on Saturday. So uh, at, we at least get Thunder and Rockets basketball through next week. Uh, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. Uh, and Solomon, man, it's been a blast to have this crossover episode with you. We hope that your listeners enjoy it. We hope our listeners enjoy it. Uh, and can't wait to interact with you on Twitter throughout this series, man. For sure. I'm looking forward to it, man. All right. Well, uh, you guys enjoy day one of NBA playoff basketball. Uh, The Uncontested will be back with you after game one with a post-game podcast, and we will talk to you guys soon. All right. Make sure to subscribe to the Renee Tunes podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Also, make sure to give us five stars on iTunes because it helps other people find the show. Follow me on Twitter at SwamaliNBA. And yeah, guys, good night.